Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Kansas City jazz saxophonist and educator Brett Jackson. He grew up in North Newton, Kansas, and made his way to Kansas City to make his home in a very busy jazz scene. These days, he is a part of Project X, the Boogaloo 7 with Chris Hazelton, the KC Jazz Orchestra, Vine Street Rumble, and Clint Ashlock's New Jazz Order. He is also teaching the future jazz cats of the world at the Kansas City, Kansas Community College. He opened up about his jazz journey, his heroes, recordings on the horizon, and my much more. Please dig this interview, my friends. Thanks for taking a little time out to talk with me today. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for calling. So I'm going to go ahead and dive right in here. I know you've been busy. you got a lot going on. you got the KC Jazz Orchestra. That British invasion the other night was awesome. Um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> my God, that was great. That was totally cool. And what a, what a gorgeous place to perform music in, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, uh, and we're going to get into that. I want to kind of tap into how that whole event felt for you. But just in general, you're you're with the KC Jazz Orchestra. You're playing at the Green Lady. You're all over the scene in Kansas City. So give me an idea from your words, a snapshot of what's been going on with you lately. I've got my own group that plays at the Green Lady on Thursday nights, myself and Matt Hopper and Chris Hazelson and Kevin Frazee. We do uh, a lot of standards, just kind of kind of trying to get into the repertoire and, and learn some of this music and uh, starting to write some of our own tunes. I spend a lot of time at the Green Lady. I really, uh, I really dig that place, so uh, that works out pretty good. Uh, and then Stan Kessler's group, uh, Force Five, kind of a new, a new group, and that's that's a lot of original music as well. So that's really cool. I I get to play a lot of a lot of new music. Let me ask you this: as far as recordings are concerned, do you have anything as a soloist that's going to come out, or anything that you're collaborating on that might be on the horizon for 2016? Yeah, we um, the the quartet is actually working on a recording. We we've done some kind of preliminary recordings. Uh, Chris is is kind of helping me through through all of that. You know, he's got a lot a lot more experience in it than I do, but uh, we're hoping to record something kind of in the later spring, early summer, hopefully be out by the end of the year. So let's talk about the beginnings of your journey in life, growing up in North Newton, Kansas. Uh-huh. How did that, where, where is that geographically in Kansas? Uh, it's a little bit north, maybe about 20 minutes, 25 minutes north of Wichita, Kansas. Okay, cool. So talk to me about your childhood and how you accumulated this love of not only music, but more specifically jazz. I had really great you know, middle school and high school directors. It was a kind of a group of us, too. Um, you know, a lot like, uh, you know, UMKC, you've got a lot of people that kind of, they move in groups, you know, and they all kind of help each other. And we, we had a scene like that in North Newton, Kansas, of all places. So there was a group of maybe five or six of us, and we would always go to shows. And if there was anybody playing within 100 miles of us, we would go check it out. So good teachers and, and just being in a, in a place where uh, it was just a good atmosphere, a really encouraging atmosphere for, for collaborating and playing music together. I picked the saxophone because my mother wanted me to pick the saxophone. So I remember uh, in fifth grade, they do the, the instrument testing things, and, you know, they give you a trumpet mouthpiece to blow in and a clarinet mouthpiece and all that stuff. And and my mom said, you you should try to play the saxophone. So I told them I wanted to play the saxophone, and they gave me the mouthpiece, and it worked just fine. And 
So they said, yep, you can play the saxophone. So that's that's kind of how that went. Turned out to be a good choice, though. I've never regretted that one. That's a good thing. Yeah. Was there was there a jazz album when you were a kid that really kind of blew you blew you away? You were like, wow, I, I get it. I really liked some of the first things that I ever listened to were big band recordings because uh, that's what you did in in high school. You really were into big band, and I loved the Buddy Rich recordings. Uh, you know, just the excitement, and you know, especially their live records, and you get to hear people reacting to to the music. That was that was really exciting for me. So uh, I really loved the the Buddy Rich stuff initially, and then I got into Duke Ellington. Some of the, the the first record I ever bought was kind of blue, and so that that set me on the path to Cannonball and and John Coltrane, and so it just it just keeps expanding from there. You know, you learn learn about all these other people that you that you need to check out, and it just never it never stops. There's always new things to to be listening to. So let me ask you this. You, as a kid, was it always music for you, or did you have other dreams? Uh, <laughs> I wanted to be a hockey player, honestly. <laughs> that's, nice. what, that's what my dream was, and maybe still <laughs> is to some degree, but I don't think that's going to pan out for me. So music was something that I that I liked, and um, as I kind of pursued it and practiced more, I just enjoyed it more and more. And it wasn't – I don't really ever remember saying to myself that I wanted to be a professional musician. It just kind of – it just slowly started started happening that way. Started to play gigs, and and as you get more into it, you enjoy it more and more, and get more passionate about it, and get serious about it. I went to school for it. Um, did did uh, music education, so teaching is also kind of a big part of big part of what I do. So teaching lessons and then playing, and it just kind of kept kept on rolling. <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about your formal education after high school. Where did you go? What was your degree emphasis, and what did you learn? I went to Bethel College, which is a little liberal arts college in North Newton. So I went to college in my hometown, maybe four blocks away from my house. So that was that was cool. I got to be close to home, and, and it was kind of a good transition. I had a great teacher there um, by the name of Steve Jones. Uh, he was a North Texas grad and, and just really, really was great at instilling the fundamentals. So we worked a lot on, on just playing chord changes, knowing what scales go with what chords. And, um, you know, he was another person that that really pointed me to a lot of uh, just good music, you know, um, gave me difficult music to play that challenged me. And, and that was, that was really helpful. So I went, I went there um, kind of with the intention of doing just music. I remember the uh, music faculty sitting me down one day and saying, just basically saying that they wouldn't let me do performance. They were going to make me do the education thing, which I really was resisting at the time. Um, but of course, you know, it really, it, I'm really glad that they did that. Um, they were definitely wiser than I was at that, at that yeah. moment. So the, the teaching thing has really worked out great for me. And, and right now I'm teaching at Kansas City, Kansas Community College and have a lot of uh, private students, so I'm I'm glad that I I went down that path for sure. That for my undergrad and and then masters was at UMKC for okay. performance and and then the jazz studies degree as well. So that's what brought you to Kansas City was your UMKC time. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So yeah. when you when you got here in 2009, you enter a new scene, a new environment. How did everything begin for you? And it's obviously mushroomed into a 
a big, a, a huge amount of projects right now. But how did everything begin for you in Kansas City? It actually started uh, a couple of years before that. In 2006, I started working at Worlds of Fun, uh, and it was a uh, it was a traveling band, and we had this routine, and we had to you know memorize all these all these medleys of Star Wars tunes or uh, you know. Uh, TV show themes, all this, all this stuff. We kind of went around the park and entertained people. And I think that summer was when I met Clint Ashlock, who had the big band going at Harlings at that time. So I was living in Kansas City kind of over the summers in 2006, 2007, 2008. That's how I started to meet, you know, people like Steve Lambert and Mike Herrera, Mike Schultz. Um, all those guys were playing in that band at that time. And I just remember being blown away with the just how how great they all were collectively and how they had this big band that, you know, they weren't making any money doing this. They just did it because it was fun and the music was cool and it was right up my alley. I I loved it. So as soon as I as soon as I had the chance to come to Kansas City and, and be a part of that that kind of scene, it was uh it was a pretty easy decision. So Right on. So things kind of started started a little bit before then. So I had I had a little bit of a foot in the door uh, to Kansas City when I moved here in in 2009. Now we're in 2015. We look six years down after you formally have been here. You got Project H, Boogaloo Seven, KC Jazz mm-hmm. Orchestra, Vine Street Rumble. You got all these projects. How do each of these projects develop you as a jazz organism, so to speak? That's a good question. It's. Uh, it gives me a lot of good examples to to kind of look towards, you know, because, you know, with Project H, listening to Ryan's compositions, um, you know, that's, that's inspiring. Um, me being someone who's, you know, trying to work on the composing aspect of things, to see someone who can express themselves compositionally like that is, is pretty incredible. Uh, he's got his own voice and um, everybody that plays in that ensemble is very capable. You know, they all all know their instruments very well and can express themselves on all those instruments. And I think that's that's the case with most of these groups. You know, all of these guys are are doing what I want to do, and in a lot of cases, they're they're you know years ahead of me. They've been working on it longer than I have, and and it's just in, in, inspiring to listen to them play and and watch their their work out output you know the tunes that they write and the solos that they play it's just it always gives you inspiration something to kind of strive towards so you played all over kansas city and the other night i was fortunate enough to have caught you at the performing arts center Kaufman performing arts here at hellsburg hall what was it like to look out at a sold-out crowd and to have that kind of enthusiasm for jazz in kansas city <laughs> Uh, it was great. It was uh, it was really exciting. Uh, I don't know if you remember the first the first tune of the night was uh, drum and fife core type of replication that Paul Roberts wrote, and so I had to play piccolo for that. The whole saxophone section were, were yeah. playing piccolos. So, you know, I had this vision of you know every time I play with KCJO, it's really exciting, and I, I look forward to it. And then when I realized that the first thing I anyone would see me do is playing the piccolo. You know, up front, center. You know, under spotlight. It was, it was, uh, you know, not exactly what I expected, but it was, it was very exciting for sure. There yeah. were some some serious butterflies there with the piccolo stuff. But once that <laughs> once that was over, I felt a lot better. So that's very cool. Yeah. Um, so you're a teacher at KCK Community College. Tell me, what is your philosophy with your kids? What do you want them when they look back 
after they graduate years down the line. What do they? What do you want them to take away from what you give them? I want them to just really appreciate music and love music and want to want to continue, you know, in whatever whatever means they they want. Um, not not many of them are are necessarily looking to go on and play music for a career. They're just kind of. You know, they want to do it as something that they enjoy. Um, they want to just get better at their instrument, whatever that instrument is. So um, some some kids are really serious, though, and some, some really want to go on and, and go to a, you know, a four-year college, pursue a music degree, or teach music. Um, so I just, uh, I, I try to be really sensitive to what each kid wants, wants to do, and, and I try to check in with them about their goals uh, periodically and see if there's anything that I can I can be doing to keep them involved and engaged and and just wanting to keep working on it because that's kind of how how the enthusiasm happened for me. I started to, you know, the more you practice, the more into it you get, and the more into it you get, the more you want to practice. So it really becomes kind of a an engine that just keeps on turning once you once you catch the bug. So I just try to keep them keep them interested and and hopefully they'll they'll leave with um you know, just really good impressions of, of jazz music or classical music or the clarinets or whatever it is that they're they're wanting to pursue. What teacher in your past comes to mind as someone that was very instrumental in doing that for you since you want to give that to your students? I've had some really good teachers, so that's kind of a difficult question. You know, my like I said earlier, my band directors, um, even going back to fifth and sixth grade, uh, Keith Woolery, he just hit me to so many, so many great records and so many good players, and and that really just got me down a path that that just kind of continues to this day. And there were a lot of people in that in that class that that had the same experience. You know, we all were really uh, inspired by the music that we played in that in that group, and and it led us to to check out other other artists and and other bands. And um, so Keith was definitely instrumental, and, and my teacher at that time was uh, a guy named Tom Luer. Um and I just remember just hearing his sound and just really wanting to play like that, you know, just hearing him play the saxophone, it just sounded like so much fun, and it was such a such a rich sound on the saxophone that he got, that was really, that was another thing that, that really struck me, for sure. Kind of on this topic of teachers and heroes, who would you consider your actual, like from a player's standpoint, who your jazz heroes are? Dexter Gordon, for sure. Um, I also enjoy just hearing Phil Woods talk about music. You know, I've tried to, to dig up interviews with him and, and just hear the way that he has talked about music and his passion for it is is really cool. You know, I, I, I can't imagine, uh, you know, not only playing the saxophone for 60, 65, or however many years, but still having that, that passion for it you know, even into his 80s is really cool. So um, those are two people for sure that I've that I've really tried to look towards and, and follow their example. I'm going to ramp up the nostalgia of your last answer with who you, who your jazz heroes were and ask you, especially this question was kind of fueled off being in Kansas City, being on 18 and Vine, having that kind of mythical Pendergast, Paris of the Plains era kind of dancing around. What show... Mm-hmm. And what musician would you want to go see live if you could go anywhere in a jazz DeLorean and see it? <laughs> well, that one's pretty easy, actually. Um, I've always thought that 
hearing Sinatra at the Sands Hotel with the Basie Band would be one of one of the coolest shows to to see and be a part of. I love the Basie Band, being from Kansas City especially. Um, they're just such a, a huge part of the lineage. And um, another project that I didn't mention was was Vine Street Rumble. Um, and we do a lot of old old bassy Benny Moten uh type stuff, you know, really old school swing and um that band was just uh, another really instrumental group in in getting me into music and getting me excited about it. Um and then of course Frank Sinatra being one of the greatest greatest singers ever. So that would be a show that I would really like to see for sure. I, I would have liked to have been in the sax section for that show, honestly. Yeah. I would rather have been on stage than than watching it, but um, I would, I would, I would stand to to sit there and listen to that. I suppose. Let me ask you this: Is the steward of Kansas City so steeped in what's going on? What would you say is the greatest thing about Kansas City? I, one of the things that I like is the community that we have, and that's really fostered by. I mean, it's everybody is kind of involved in it. But uh, one thing that I really appreciate and that I've directly benefited from are, are some of the. The musicians and the generations older than we are that that continue to reach out and continue to, you know, in, involve us in what they do and and continue to teach us and and hang with us and all that. Um, you know, I think about somebody like Bob Bowman or for me specifically, Carrie Strayer uh, was a, a person that I was very close to, and he really um, kind of took me under his wing and. And uh, I mean, he's the reason that I picked up the baritone saxophone. I would never have picked it up um, if it wouldn't have been for Kerry. But um, just hanging with him and seeing the just how genuine he was and how he just wanted to to see the people um, in the generations coming up behind him play as well as they possibly could and, and give them as many advantages as he could. And I see that in a lot of people. Stan Kessler, um, now that I get to play with him every Monday night or every other Monday night, you know, he's got that, that spirit in him too where you just you continue to bring along the musicians that are coming up after you and, and they continue to set such a high, such a high bar, um, a great example for us to, to follow. So that's that's something that's really special about Kansas City, and and you hear about that with with you know people coming from New York, and there's so there's so many musicians there, um, but here you just yeah I didn't expect to find that that deep of a scene, but it really is. It's it's something that just keeps keeps sustaining itself, and and luckily we have a lot of people here that that want to come out to the shows and hear it. Let me ask you this in a more general sense: Why do you love jazz? It, it's exciting. It makes you feel good. Um, more than any other music that I could ever point to. You know, it's it's really thrilling to play. It's new all the time. It doesn't get old, and it's something that I've been fortunate, you know, recently I've been playing all the time, and it's always, it's almost always jazz, and it just never gets old to me. Um, it doesn't, <laughs> it's always exciting, it's always new. And, you know, going back to our conversation about personality, you can really hear, you know, the people that have spent hours and hours on the craft of playing, you know, you really hear who they are as a person come out in their music. Whether they it's something that they've written or a solo that they're playing, uh, you can hear their personality come through. And that's that's something that, um, that I think is really special about jazz and something that I get to, to see all the time playing with, with these musicians around. So let me ask you this. This is my final question. I want to know this. Everybody around you, your family, your friends, uh, club owners, everybody that deals with you, your fans in the crowd have a version of who you are. 
what they think you are, but who do you think you are? Musician, a collaborator, and someone that always wants to make whatever ensemble they're in sound better. You know, whatever I can do to improve the musicianship on on whatever band I'm playing on, that's that's what I'm all about. So I continue to work towards that. That's why I keep practicing and and just trying to get better. That's perfect. That's a perfect way to end. Brett, hey, thank you for taking some time out and giving me your story. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for calling, Joe. Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in New York, Kansas City, and spots all over the globe giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Brett for his music, his vision, and making Kansas City a more vibrant jazz community. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store or visit theneonjazz.blogspot.com for all things Neon Jazz. Until next time, enjoy the music, my friends. Neon Jazz.